0: Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and professional pool party planner. I'm joined by my co host and producer, Sireya Bogani. Hi, I'm Sireya.
1: I'm a fat, multiracial Minneapolitan millennial who finally knows her astrological birth chart and is dubious, but also feeling very attuned to my Aries ascending status. <laughs> There's no segue for that, babe.
0: We're here to talk about the cultural (laughs) politics of fat bodies in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the greater Midwest. Without further ado, it's The The Fat Dish. Dish.
1: It's time for the Fat Dish, where we share, or dish, about what's going on in our community
0: and personally. And honestly, uh, we've got the biggest news. The biggest. We've been waiting so long to talk about this. So on October 12th, Flyover presents Lindy West and Samantha Irby here yes. in Minneapolis. Yes, yes. It's Flyover's inaugural festival event in Minneapolis, featuring two of the most important and hilarious voices in culture today, Lindy West and Samantha Irby. So as many, most, all of you know, um, Lindy West is the author of Shrill, that then became the Blue series. Um, Samantha Irby is a critically acclaimed author and creator of the blog Bitches Gotta Eat and is a writer for the Shrill television series. She wrote the pool episode that we talked about several dirt and discourses Mm -hmm. ago. So the event will feature those two in conversation with each other, discussing their work, life, contemporary culture, and body images. Sounds like a dream. Uh, For listeners, you might remember that, like, season one, episode two or three, we interviewed Simeon from Flyover. But for those of you who are new to Flyover, it's an event and content platform working to elevate underrepresented ideas, communities, and stories in the Midwest. Sponsors of this event include Cake Plus Size Resale, The Coven, and Matter of Fact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're excited to be a sponsor of this event. Tickets start at $40 and are on sale now. Um, And at the time of recording, it looks like the event is is actually sold to like 75% of the capacity. Um, They're already looking for a larger venue, but you got to get those tickets soon. Don't be
1: like me. Don't be like Soraya. I wait. I wait and then it's gone. Or Or
0: know that you have a friend like Soraya and get an extra ticket for them. Just know it's going to be a hot ticket item. It's going to be so awesome. Don't miss out on it, And we'll be giving you lots of like reminders leading up to it um, because now that it's in the world, we can talk about it. Freely, but we're so excited. Can't wait to talk about it more. But why don't we talk about something that we went to together?
1: Yes. Yeah. So, want a quick recap on an especially wonderful show that we were invited to attend at the Minnesota Fringe Festival called Size. And the tagline to the show was just. Perfect. It says, nothing tastes as good as rejecting bullshit societal standards feels. And they had a brilliant array of songs, skits, monologues, and vignettes about their experiences being fat, curvy, and ultimately, just like everybody, uh, stories about their experiences. And they said it's a love letter to everybody. Oh, it was... It I'm already was, like, getting garbled because it, it was It was so really excellent. good. It was really well done. I didn't know what to expect when we went to the theater, but it... Ha- So many emotions. Yeah. That's all I could walk away with. Just so many emotions. in such a short time span. It was like an hour long. Yeah. Yeah, And just like so, so Uh, much happened. I felt vindication. I felt the alienation of moments of shame and remembering that shame, anger at prejudice and hate happening to someone else and also recognizing these moments um, or something similar as having had happened to me. Mm -hmm. I had genuine tears of laughter and emotion and I I cannot be emphatic enough how well the show was put together and how lovely the cast was. It was fabulous.
0: It was so so good. Mm-hmm. We were absolutely delighted to hear Blaze Bordeaux perform. He's brought me to tears before as we discussed we- in our interview <laughs> with him and Diva earlier in the season. And in that interview he mentioned that he's working on more original material, and one of those original songs was performed as part of the show. It
1: was amazing, just breathtaking.
0: Um I don't really have a favorite scene
1: or piece from the show. I did love this one where it had two women meeting up for dinner and talking about how good they've oh, been Oh, eye roll. Yes. Right? <laughs> like like good as in how they've been eating. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been so good. I've just been eating straight whey protein powder out of the <laughs> box or out of the jar. I don't yeah. know. It's like a plastic canister. <laughs> I don't know. And other nonsense that we hear people talking about like, oh, I've just only been doing this and that makes me really good. And then they start talking about being bad.
0: Let's be really Let's bad. Let's be really bad leave
1: back <laughs> like we're gonna not be able to walk back from the precipice of choice and they're gonna abandon all they know and they're just really like jacking up this like experience lots of energy lots of energy right they're gonna be so bad and then the waiter is just standing there terrified of what their decision is and then they turn to him and they say we'd like to split a piece of vegan cake please (laughs) and it's just such a perfect build up and point of comedy and the waiter is relieved and irritated and he's like cake all you want is cake thank god I thought you were gonna kill me or something and then the women lock out and they look back at him and say we are and pop out tiny switchblades and the, and the scene goes dark <laughs> and it was just like the level of absurdity and comedy that's perfect for me yeah. I loved it so much and also just
0: like so relatable yes. like how many times have you been how many times rather have you been around people that are just talking about being so bad or so, so bad. good it yeah. was yeah. like played up in but house so relatable from, like, yes. yeah we talked
1: about that before what did you <laughs> like
0: Kat? I you liked like? so many things um one of the scenes that stuck out to me was um this it was a scene where there was two folks that were going on a date like they they were getting ready and then kind of meeting at the restaurant and there was small talk you know like the beginning phases of a date and while all this was happening they had like they there's a lot of negative self-talk happening you know like kind of nasty voices in their head kind of trash talking them but that negative self-talk was personified as other actors so that were like following so them well around yes yeah, so, like they get to the restaurant they're sitting down you know across from each other on the date and then like their negative self-talk actors are like next to them and then like something happened and like all of a sudden those like negative voices those actors were like visible to the other person Mm -hmm. and um it like then them being visible enabled them to be confronted. And like how that confrontation started was like one of the people on the date heard how the other person was talking about their date and was like, no, 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 I'm not comfortable with that. Right, like how the negative yeah, voice. I don't like how they're about talking about you. Mm-hmm. So like it's so hard for folks to kind of feel like that about themselves. But it's much easier, like an easier way in when you hear someone else saying that about someone else, which reminded yeah. me of that scene you love so much in Smart. I love it so much. It's like
1: you can't talk about my friend that way. I'll lay you out. Like, it's a little
0: violent, but the
1: the sentiment is that you can't speak to yourself that way right. because I have so much love for you. And yeah. it's like, what happens when you turn that on yourself?
0: Yeah. So that was a scene I really enjoyed. And like I said, just so much good stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: There was also this intergenerational dance between a mother and a daughter that was so Beautiful. important. Yeah. I'm not uh, well attuned to dance or the artistry of dance, but I was absolutely captivated by the story it told. And just taking on the beliefs on um, body... Of our parents and how complex mm-hmm. that can be. Um, there's also an aching retelling from the talented Lauren Anderson about working through shame. And at one point, I'm probably going to butcher this, but she recounted a moment about like eating and and how we talk about mindful eating. But she talked about how at that moment she was eating to mollify, punish, and escape. And the candor and vulnerability she shared with a whole bunch of strangers, oh, just, like, really raw. oh was astounding and touching and like. Oh my God, we've barely touched the surface. We've barely scratched the surface. I would love to see the show done more and with even more content, or even change up the content, or get a movie deal. I, I don't know. Yeah, it. I there's want just more like of it. so
0: much opportunity. And now that we are, like it's on our radar, um, we'll be watching closely. So if more happens with this show, if it gets you know um, performed to other places or things like that, we would we'll be sure to let you know here on the pod. Mm-hmm. It's called Size. We said it at the top, but yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, we want our next topic for Fat Dish. We want to report back on KFAI's Summer Pledge Drive. Yeah. Um, and we want to thank everyone who donated um, for your support. We are excited to share that KFAI raised over $30,000. They exceeded their goal and this fundraising effort was really needed. So it's just we're really pleased to see that that's happened for them.
1: Yeah, and we wanted to give a special shout-out to Matter of Fat listeners who let us know that they contributed. Thank you, Christine ramsey Sr. Harry Minott, and Anna Loth-Gresser. Oh, you're all angels. And if we didn't give you a shout-out and you did contribute, please let us know. We'd love to acknowledge you.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you all so much.
1: Yeah, and Ongoing KFI is doing a fun thing where you can collect their trading cards of fabulous radio personalities. And if you watched our super cool Facebook Live, you can see the aesthetic of the trading cards. But um, if you collect five, or more you can win a tote bag which is one of the pledge drive perks and we were really excited to see one of our favorite local businesses real life coffee and yoga on that list yeah. of places you can stop and to get a card so find more participating businesses and get more details at kfai.org um, and next up we have a little personal dish to round out this smorgasbord yes smorgasbord <laughs> right is that how you pronounce it oh, Okay. but first a short break
0: You want to support matter of fat but aren't a business or brand maybe you don't need a commercial on here but you'd like to support us well there are three ways that you can help our little old podcast you can listen engage and share and they're all free okay well like mostly free some people say time is money so maybe not all the way free but mostly uh, first we just love 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 that you're listening tune into matter of fat whenever you can Next, we hope that you'll engage with our podcast. Let us know if you're listening. Join our friends and fans Facebook group for discussions on every episode. Shout us out on your Instagram story when you're listening. Comment on our Instagram posts. Rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or retweet us. And I guess I maybe am getting ahead of myself because retweeting is a form of sharing. We hope that you'll share the pod. Share on your social media, um, share f- posts of ours that we make if they're relevant to you. If you hear something on an episode that really resonates, share it with a friend. Or, you know, when people are asking, especially on Facebook, for all these podcast recommendations, suggest so matter of fact. There are lots of ways to support, and we appreciate everyone. Thanks to our listeners for your continued love and support. Matter. We're
1: back, and we've got cutting-edge news about the fat splash that I really want Kat to talk about.
0: Oh, this is really sweet. So actually, like, right now, while we are in the studio recording, I um, got word that this article came out about the fat splash. So one of the folks that came to the first fat splash of the summer, Gabrielle Lipinski, writes for City Pages, and she wrote a really well-done piece about the fat splash. It just really was beautiful. We just, like, read it here in the studio, and I'm still, my heart's really full. It's really, really lovely and well-done, and we'll have to link it for y'all. Mm-hmm. It does a great job of research on the history
1: of fat events and yeah. um, getting different quotes from you and other folks who attended mm-hmm. and just setting a beautiful picture. So that was really exciting. Yeah, it was so
0: good. So I guess that is the first part of my like high, uh-huh. or my, my update is that the second fat splash happened. The fat splashes are behind us. I feel like fall can come now that the fat splashes are done. Fat They're girl just, fall. Yeah, the fat splashes were great and wonderful. And it was just so good to see so many fat people living life in the pool. It was just like such a pleasure to put those on. So, 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 so good. Cool. What else has been up for you? Um. Oh, I want to talk about a burlesque show that I went ooh, to. La la. So, friend of the pod, Diva Rose, who was on a couple episodes ago with Blaze, who we already mm-hmm. mentioned in this fat dish. Um diva does classes through the rose academy of burlesque and i went to a student showcase so there were a couple like you know known professional burlesque performers there but then most of the folks who performed were students that have gone through her classes and kind of several levels so some who are just starting out some that were kind of more like intermediate level mainly in groups and they're like really good um one group with folks exclusively in larger bodies and lots of lots of fat people as part of the show which i of course loved and then a couple folks who were doing like their first ever solo performances, um, which was really special to, to be um, paying attention to. That's
1: so exciting. Yeah. You know, and Diva always puts on a good show, too. She so. does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so good.
0: Um, another eventy thing I want to like, mention as part of my update yes. is that in September, I'm going to be on a couple panels. And one of them is going to come out in a couple weeks, and so I wanted to mention it. Um, on Wednesday, September 4th at 8.30 a.m., I'll be on a panel about businesses f- involved with sustainable fashion. So it's happening at the Holden Room. It's part of this series, this like lab series um, for businesses in partnership with Hennepin Made and Parallel. Um, and, like, this is how the um, the uh, panel is described. They say, helping celebrate the month of fashion in Minnesota, Lab Talks is diving deep into the sustainable fashion movement with a panel of perspectives from Minnesota-based businesses who are committed to supporting ethical, sustainable practices and slow fashion in our community.
1: Yes, yes, yes. That's you.
0: Yeah. And, like, resale is a component of that. And one that I – I don't know. It's, like – I have a lot of thoughts about how ethical fashion is so wonderful and also so not accessible, mm-hmm. um, and so I love to be part of those type of panels because then it gives me the opportunity to be like, "What about fat people? What about plus sizes? Things like that." So mm-hmm. it'll be—I'm really um, excited to be part of that—and wanted to mention it here. We'll link to that event as well in the show notes. All in the show notes, baby. Okay, and I have one other update that's All like right. very silly You're and not related. Very to- <laughs> excited! I'm so excited, bubbly. I know. Okay. I <laughs> I love Jane the Virgin, yes, and it ended just uh, just recently. Aww. Oh, so um, I was kind of late to Jane the Virgin. I got in a couple of years ago, and I like have just been really consuming all of the awesome seasons. And season five, the last season, just ended. It was a beautiful ending. It was so lovely, and I just I don't know. I'm it's it feels like update worthy level of like thing in my life that happened. So. Um, If any of y'all are watching Jane the Virgin um, and have got to the end point, if you want to talk about it. I'm here for it. It's not me. I know. Yeah. (laughs) You're late. I'm later, baby. (laughs) Have you watched any of Jane the Virgin? I have seen a few. Like, when it first came out, I watched the first few episodes, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't get into it. It's honestly not the type of TV that I thought I would get into. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fantastical. You know, it has, like, the telenovela vibe, so there's just it's not, like, super realistic, but something about it just really sucked me in. And I think part of what I enjoy as well is that, like, the episodes are longer. Mm -hmm. They're, like, a good 40-plus minutes, so it's really, like, an investment to seducing down and watch it. And I do that so rarely. So it's just been such a treat to be watching that um, over the years. Yeah. yeah. I I like uh, something that's diametrically
1: opposed to that. It's called Fleabag. What's that about? It is about a a young woman, a British woman. It's so British, right? Like the episodes are a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. um, but there's only like five or six episodes per season. Mm -hmm. So there are two seasons out and I just wrapped it up and uh, it's the opposite of Jane the Virgin. She loves having <laughs> sex. Like that's I love it. actually an issue that comes <laughs> oh. up. And she's just like very messy and dealing with some really difficult concepts and pieces of her life and just hard relationships. But um, the first season I was like, Oh, I don't feel good watching this. This makes me feel sad But mm. then there was this huge twist in season too i think it's a huge twist other people might not but it was just so well done and she's so witty and dry and Ooh. it has a little bit it's, it's not an office thing but uh, she has a direct connection or narrative with the audience so like she'll be oh. in the middle of a scene and then she'll look at you like it's not gonna happen and
2: I, then look oh back, i
1: love that and the way they write it is just brilliant and cool. um yeah British.
0: Where can I watch it? I should watch this. Amazon. Oh, okay.
1: Amazon Prime. I hate it. Yeah, I'm okay. trying to weed Amazon out of my life as much as possible. As many of us are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. There it is. I'll watch it. Uh, Amazon Prime and then another thing. What other updates, Soraya? Well, another thing that I've started watching Oh, okay. Is wait, wait we're, we're not there, there, there yet? yet. We're not even prepared <laughs> for this. Sneaking it in. I just started watching uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral which is oh. like a remake of the movie oh. and it's Mindy Kaling is a producer oh. and like Basically, all the people who wrote for the mini-project are there, and I was, a, ooh, I was a real one for the mini-project, which was rough. Like, it was rough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It got really rough. It started out so strong, and I still watched every episode, but... It's excellent. It takes place in London, mm-hmm. and it's just like a really gripping friend drama <gasps> that, like, a la Friends, in that they're all living in these fabulous places, and you're like, how, like, are you how affording is that possible? in London? Yeah. Like, some of them are pretty wealthy, but I, I love it. I love it. It's like a guilty pleasure, and so I'd highly recommend. And that's on Hulu. That so. sounds. What is that called again? Four Weddings and a Funeral. Like the movie. Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's it's a, a TV good. series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's lots of episodes. <gasps> good yeah. recommendations. Mm-hmm. It's great, and then. There's, oh, there's another movie that I think I told you about called mm-hmm. Plus One. It has Maya Erskine from um, Pen15 in it mm-hmm. and, like, Dennis Quaid's son or something Ooh, like that. Okay. But it was,
0: like, more of a,
1: a, a quote-unquote real-life uh, um, romantic comedy.
0: so Was that on Hulu? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, I think so. These mm-hmm. are good wrecks. I'm oh, I'm living for this.
1: And I mean, the only reason I have I've been spending time with friends and family, which I love to do, and during the summer, yes. But I've been doing a lot of homework, and so that's yeah. why I don't have a ton of events to chat about. Um, You're doing it though. You're almost there. Yeah, I love statistics so much. <laughs> P values, baby, z scores, no tests. Oh man, hit me with it. Um, no, but. I, I do have another fun update. Yeah, you do. That Kat is like so excited about. Uh I have an iPhone. What? What's that you say? Wow. Um I I like it. It's nice. And uh, Kat gave me, gifted me an okay. iPhone.
0: We should tell tell the people <laughs> what you were working with before. I was totally fine
1: with my mm-hmm. S7 Android, uh, Samsung Galaxy S7 Android. And it was working well for me. And then Kat was like, please... Please, I've updated my phone. Please let me give this to you. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I'm gonna get another mm-hmm. Galaxy. No? And then I was like, well, my frugal like Capricorn just yeah. kicked in. I was like, well, all right, well I could try it. I'm not opposed to Apple products. I have a MacBook. I've used many Apple products yeah, in my yeah. life, but I've never moved over to an iPhone. And Y'all stand for Apple. Mm-hmm. There have been so many people I've been texting with are like, oh, you got a new phone, eh? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my, everybody's just waiting for it to switch yep. from green to blue. Yep,
0: we are. Honestly, this was a very self-serving thing for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so happy of have an iPhone now. I know it is so silly and such a first world problem and really not something to get, like, at all hot and bothered about, but <laughs> man. But you sure did. But man, <laughs> I just love texting with people who have, I, I love iMessaging. I love when yeah. I'm texting with someone who also has an iPhone. I just feel like it's the, like the the flow of the conversation is m- enhanced mm-hmm. on iMessage. Uh, my GIF game
1: has oh. exponentially gotten yep. better, so that's nice. It was already good. It was just limited. And honestly, I think it was mostly limited by just the generation of phone I had.
0: Yeah, that's probably more accurate. I
1: think that there's something wild about how leaps and bounds the phones are as they come out each generation or each year or whatever that looks like. Yeah. I don't know. I was working with a three or four year old phone so I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's aesthetically very pleasing. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, I'm joining you and I also want to say that we should not let green and blue texting yeah, you know, know. divide know. us. Yeah. We're already divided on so many things. I so I just ask us to not like be beholden to a company just because it's better.
0: Noted. Also noted. noted I did. Yeah. Say yep. Better. <laughs> yep. Noted on all accounts. Yep. So um, <laughs> okay. But that's it. That's I all it. I got. That's awesome. I uh, yeah. Like I said, very excited that you are in the iPhone game.
1: Mm.
0: I think it's time for us to get into the interview. yeah. We really got to. This episode, we interview Angela Callis. Angela is a Minneapolis-based speaker, therapist, and entrepreneur. And last episode, we talked about the Smitten Kittens Fat Sex 101 event. Well, little did we know that Angela was the educator for that event. We were so excited to feature her after learning that little piece of information.
1: Um, Our conversation with Angela was so insightful into her own personal story, but also some really good information on how to find and engage with therapy that would be best for
0: you yeah Oh, we should also mention that this is another one of those interviews where you don't hear from soraya because we didn't have access to as many functioning mics as normal in the studio i'm truly the phantom of the studio Ooh. at this point but don't front <laughs> i'm here in the questions and all the bits edited out
1: so you don't hear a distant echoey voice and actually get a little scared
0: also, it should be noted that, like, for every interview, regardless of, like, who's asking what um, or if you hear Sraya or not, like, we write all the questions together. And so that's something just, I don't know, to know a little bit yeah. about, like, our process.
1: Yeah. So if you don't hear my voice, don't worry. We're all, we're all there. She's here. And now, on to the interview.
0: Angela, thank you so much for being with us today. You're very welcome. So we want to start this out by asking what we ask all of our guests. Will you tell us your story as a matter of fact?
2: Absolutely. Um, I love that you ask it and I was listening back for inspiration to all of the other mm-hmm. super cool episodes. Thank you. Um, and people have such cool, interesting, different stories. And I think that's really exciting. I grew up in a tiny town in rural Minnesota as a fat kid like as long as I can remember, pretty much, Mm -hmm. Um, in a not-fat family and really with not a lot of other fat people around me that I really identified with or was close to at all. So I always felt really different and other than I was hardcore bullied as a little kid. Mm -hmm. So I really grew up like firmly thinking that fat was not okay, but also somehow escaping a lot of dieting, which um, is an interesting sort of conundrum like crossroads place um and then when I was 20 I got pregnant with my daughter and for the first time I was like I don't know how to find clothes for my body in the same sort of way because um I'm a little bit older I'm 38 (laughs) and it was like the internet was actually pretty brand new um or relatively new it was like the year 2000 like 2001 and um They they're like plus size maternity clothes didn't really exist. And I was like wanting to have like cute maternity clothes kind of thing, you know, and like feel all of those feelings and have like an I wanted to have a normal quote unquote body experience. Mm -hmm. Like that was a big part of it Mm -hmm. for me. And I went online, this new internet-y thing, (laughs) like just search. That must be where you get information. And I found this group, this old Yahoo group with a woman who back in the day went by the name of K-Mom. She's public now with her real name, Pamela Verde. And she ran a plus-size pregnancy website and was like doing hardcore fat activism in a way that I literally didn't even know existed in the world. I had never seen it. I had never heard it. And she was just like this Boss, who was proud and she had this website that was full of not only her opinions, but also the experiences of countless women and also like medical research that mm-hmm. backed her like claiming that fat wasn't going to make you die, yes. which was like this revolutionary thing and, and still is sometimes at a yeah. certain point. Right. And she just opened my eyes to so much like I went in looking for clothes and I came out with some fat activism. Like it's not how it happens for a lot really of people. It right? seems like a common story, especially now that we have cake and other places that are even more public like that. Yeah. Like that really does a service. Sometimes it can seem like, oh, it's just clothes. It's a lot more than clothes. Like yeah. it's really a gateway to like, oh I can wait, I can feel cute. Like I can feel good in something. And that yeah. opens possibilities and doors and stuff. So it was Pamela Verde who was just, like, filling my head with ideas. Amazing. And it was really exciting. And I found that when I put them in practice, it worked. Like, when I started to believe that I was worthy or I could take up space or I could have cute clothes or I could have an experience like anybody else, like, most of the time, people just believed me. Yeah. And there was a lot of... Like, I knew it was sort of a fake it till you make it scenario, because I wasn't totally buying it. Like, there was, or there was that small voice in yeah. the back of my head that was like, uh uh-huh. Like, <laughs> or it's coming, especially because I had experienced so much bullying. Yeah. Like, those were real things, real voices that were still there that actually happened, not even just general fears. Not yeah. that general fears don't fears don't have big power over us sometimes, but... Like, it happened. Like, the worst things had happened. But it sort of didn't. Or rarely. Rarely did it happen once I started to really be more forward about that stuff. Now, again, like, I have a lot of privilege in that, like, I am femme. I look, like, in a lot of stereotypical ways that are, like, acceptable. Mm -hmm. And that's something that feels authentic for me. And so that certainly helps. Like, yeah. And that is important to acknowledge that not everybody has the same experience of just deciding and then the whole world falls into place. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the whole world fell into place, but it did much more than it might in some other scenarios. But that was very empowering. And it just sort of kept rolling over time. And yes, I did work in birth and postpartum for years, which also ended up being a lot of body activism in different ways, working with bodies that were changing in ways that felt different or weird or uncomfortable and had lots of stories attached to that. And then somewhere in there, people started to be like, well, as long as we're talking about my vagina related to a baby, can I ask you this, like, sex question? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is sort of how my career as a sex educator 10 years ago got rolling. Um, and I found so much empowerment there. Like, my God, like... Talking about sex as a fat person, like that's taking it like, okay, you can work a cute dress, but I don't know if we're having orgasms, you know, like (laughs) this was like an extra revolutionary thing. And I really love loved and love talking about like all of the ways that all bodies, but especially fat bodies and especially other bodies and all of the categories totally can experience pleasure and like desire and delight in all sorts of different ways. Um, And then that moved to sort of where I am now, which is a therapist in private practice. I work with individuals. I work with like couples and relationship configurations of all kinds on mostly things related to either like body transitions of different kinds Mm -hmm. that could be like, going from one stage of life to another that could be like a, a health concern that's shifting a body that could be a gender that's shifting body it could be sex like there's so many ways that our bodies shift over time and then just like anything about pleasure and sex like is really my wheelhouse that I like awesome yeah
0: when did you know you wanted to become a therapist? And you talked a little bit about like some of the things you focus on, um, but like what informs those focuses in your work?
2: Sure. Um. So when? So I was. I started out my life, my adult life, as a musician. I really didn't think I would do anything other than that. Um, definitely my passion and like a spiritual place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I had my daughter. It was so life-changing. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a cliche, right? Like, it's life-changing. But it was life-changing in ways that I didn't expect. Like, I read the right books, and I did the right things, and then I was in the moment, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) nobody told me anything. Ah. One of those, like, you really, like, book knowledge only gets you so far. Like, experiencing it and feeling in your body is a wildly different experience. Um, And that really drew me to midwifery and birth work. Um, and I really thought I wanted to be a midwife, and I wanted to bring all of my activism in. That was what drove my birth work: was autonomy with bodies and choice, and like, the, you know, systems saying you have to do it this one way, and only these people can do it, and all of these systemic fucked-up rules. Mm-hmm. That really oppress bodies. And that was always the standpoint. You know, people would be like, oh, babies, you get to be around babies. And I'd be like, oh, right, babies, like (laughs) the babies come afterwards. Yes, like babies are important. But I was always there under the fuel of helping like the birthing family Mm -hmm. um, figure out like what do you need to give birth Maybe that's logistics, but there's also a lot of other things that you need to give birth. There's a lot of ways that we need to open and shift and change. And it's not just a cervix that does that during birth. And so I worked toward being a midwife and that's like going to nursing school and doing all of the science and math that I tried to avoid my (laughs) whole entire life. I'm more of a letters person than a numbers person in general. And I felt like my soul was dying in the Mm. math and science building. And I thought, you know... If I'm this miserable now, I'm going to be a terrible midwife because I will be so burnt out and so done. And what I like is the touchy feely feeling stuff mm-hmm. about this work and that side. And you don't get to do as much of that when you're in charge of the medical aspects of things like that has to take precedent. Yeah. And we need that role. It's important. Um, but I wanted the role where the first part of the role was touchy feely feeling stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually, like, I pondered it inside for a long time. It was a big part of my identity. And then literally dropped out of the program that I had worked so hard to get into, like, in one day and registered for the classes to, to go to be a therapist on the very same day. It was like a big, Dang. like, voom. Um, and it was the best decision. It, it, really, it really was the best decision for me. I'm definitely in the right place. Um, and it, my work my work is informed by a lot of things. My work is definitely informed by my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I try really hard to, um, you know, minimize the impact that it has. And also, it's part of who I am. And, you know, in therapy, we can feel that our, the connection with our therapist is important. And even, like sometimes questionable, arguable Western medicine science dis- distinctly shows that fit like how do you, do you feel comfortable with mm-hmm. me or whoever you're working with is the a number one thing that matters and creates change for people. Ah. It's not modality. It's not any it's not their schooling, it's not anything else. It's like, do you connect on this very human basic level with this person? Because if you don't, why would you tell them the very most vulnerable, important things that you need to do to work through whatever it is you're wanting to work through? You Mm -hmm. know, like, no, we don't we shouldn't open up to somebody that we don't feel good and safe with. Um, So so those things do inform that. And that was a purposeful choice that I made in my you know, in my branding and things like that, to be out about who I am in every way. I mean, there are some visible things about me. If you see a picture, you can see I'm fat, really fat. Like, you can see that about me. There are other things that don't get clocked. Like, I'm queer because I'm femme. It's not always noticed, even if I have partially an undercut and a slightly rainbowish tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will see. Oh. <laughs> um... You know, I'm a mom. I'm a partner. I've been in lots of kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. I've I have like so many different things that have impacted like who I am and how I got here. And I can't erase those. And I find that um, clients that that and th- for the clients who hold similar identities, I often hear that it is helpful that we have some of the same vernacular or you at least kind of get what I'm talking about mm-hmm. here it doesn't mean we've had the same experience it doesn't mean that I share everything even about my experience with them because I don't that's not it's about them not yeah. me but that little connection can help you feel a little bit safer um to move forward and and do some work so Those things really do inform. And then, of course, you know, lots of learning that I've done Mm -hmm. over my lifetime. I mean, I've had tons of training and sex and pleasure. So super lucky to have, like, worked with so many of, like, the most amazing educators around the world, really. Um, And uh, just so many amazing mentors that I've had. I mean, school, of course. Like, it's important. And it's not the be-all and all. like a lot of the important rooted knowledge doesn't come from academia or by the time it gets to academia, it's got its own little flavor (laughs) that lost a lot of it's like radicalness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Soul. Yeah. 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 And again, like there is importance. I'm not saying there's not, we got to do that. Hey, Minnesota board of social work, I'm following the rules. Like, you know, (laughs) like, And, and we have knowledge, like the people have knowledge and our body's lived experience will speak to that when we can be safe in a safe enough place that it can allow it out. I wish I didn't know you so you
0: would be my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a lot of people. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. yes. Yeah, you'd be great. I mean, it would would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, But I know you, so. Because that's a rule,
2: Right. It is a yeah. rule. Yeah. 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 If you have a close, like, community connection and overlap, it's not best mm-hmm. practice at all. But mm-hmm. I could totally help you find somebody that's cool. We are very lucky here in the Twin Cities to really have a lot of cool um, options. There's tons of therapists. They're true. I really do think there is a therapist for everybody here. Like, yeah? there are different form. Like, there's a, the whole entire range of cost. There's the whole entire range of where they are, who they are their own personal identities their modalities like we are lucky here to have a pretty big breadth of providers and the way that licensure works as long as you are licensed into the state so like we you take a test in the state that you live in so Mm -hmm. I'm licensed in Minnesota I can see anybody in the state of Minnesota through online sessions as well Ah. which actually I have found to be Really awesome. Like, I was worried about that soul feeling being yeah. lost. Very little, if any, is. Um, it's still really impactful and powerful. So, even if you don't live in the Twin Cities, but you live within the state, like, you can still access people and providers that look like you or think like you um, if you have a way to explore the potential of online therapy. Also, insurance has to cover online therapy in Minnesota. Oh. So if insurance cover, you know, if you're with a provider that takes insurance, it's a state law that they have to pay for online mental health in the same way that they would cover in person.
0: Is it sort of just like FaceTiming or Skyping? Yeah, it's exactly like that. Cool.
2: Technically, we have to use a HIPAA-compliant platform for confidentiality purposes, oh, it. but mm-hmm. it's the same concept. It's literally like one click. And even my, like, clients who don't like technology they can handle it. Like they do it and they like it. So yeah, it's been a great way to like be able to spread that information or have a broader reach um, for people. That's cool. Yeah. Can I
0: ask a clarifying question? Of course. You've said modality a couple
2: of times. Yeah. Can you explain what you
0: mean in reference to your Thank
2: work? Thank you. Yes. Absolutely. Because it's just like, whoop, a
0: little over my head.
2: Yes. So a modality is like a kind of therapy. So when we say therapy, that actually is just like a gateway. Like, we don't necessarily know what happens when we say therapy. So it's great to ask that question, actually, if you're looking for a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are things that you'll hear a lot, CBT, that stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's just a theory of why we you know why we think a certain way, and then like a model that gets plugged in about how to work it out. Mm-hmm. That's a really common one. They're all based on a theories. So So there is like CBT, there's DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, which is also, again, like a system that you just plug like feelings or diagnosis in. And it says like we have shown and proven that these symptoms respond well to this way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Or narrative therapy is something that I use a lot, which is like. Telling your story in a way that helps you reflect and work on things and and look back and also get to work on rewriting for the future. Like, how would you want your story to look in the future? Mm -hmm. I do a lot with art. I'm not a certified art therapist. Um, but I will, if people are interested, bring in different art materials to work on. Some people just even like to doodle while we're talking yeah. in session or take notes in a more visual way. Mm-hmm. But we can use art. Sometimes words make us stuck.
0: Yeah.
2: Or we can get stuck in our own words. We can we just are in like a cycle of what is ultimately like re-traumatizing ourselves by telling the story to the mm-hmm. same place over and over mm-hmm. again. When really, that's our brains trying to, they're so resilient. Our brains are so resilient. And they're just trying to push that story all the way through to a healing place. Yeah. But maybe they need a little help with that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes getting out of words and just getting something on paper can take us ways, places that we, didn't, we don't expect, really surprising, mm-hmm. um, and just a different way of processing. So uh, there's tons of different ways. I work a lot also with attachment, the concept of attachment which is basically like, like kind of like what a lot of people understand attachment is like moms and babies. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we hear about things like that. Um, and the the theory behind that is, is that when we even before we are born, like when when we are in utero mm-hmm. that, you know, There's so much wizardry that's happening, let's be real, right? Like, that we don't even, that science, We know, Western science, doesn't even totally understand, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we are passing so many things. It has shown that we're, they can see in our DNA how historical trauma is passed, like, in our DNA for up to 16 generations, the last thing that I read. So we are carrying our ancestors, all of the, the positive, amazing things that happen, but also all of those traumas. Yeah. And so when when a baby is born and when they're in utero, there's all of this communication that's happening. Obviously not verbally in the same way, right? It's like watching and babies are mirroring what mom is doing. Babies checking mom's face and mm-hmm. body language to see am I safe? Am I okay? And our brains are forming, forming, forming mm-hmm. and growing in these really intricate important ways. Cool. But <laughs> there is no actual possible way that even the best, most well-equipped parent in the world can meet all of the needs of that developing brain exactly when they're happening. Mm-hmm. There's not like a button that pops up that says, today I need this. Yeah. Like, it's just chance, you know, we we work from a place of of acknowledging that parents are doing the best they can with the knowledge that they have and the resources that are available to them at the time it's not about blaming but it is about acknowledging that all of those things create a little developmental trauma in our brains and our brains work really hard to resolve that later throughout our lives Mm -hmm. in ways we don't often we aren't often aware of like the how come i keep picking that dude Over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. That sort of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we can, we have jokes for that. Like, we see that culturally, but we don't often see, like, what's behind that. Ah. And it's our brains trying to heal. It's our brains taking us back to the point of that little place that needs healing and filling, that didn't get what it needed, but deserves to be fixed and Mm -hmm. filled and held and healed. Um, Saying, like, right here, right now, like, here's the place, and then... We don't do it like we repeat the drama in that same place over and over again until we figure it out, oh, that's what I'm doing. And then we can actually act as our parent, Mm -hmm. the parent that we didn't have. And Mm -hmm. we can slow down and we can speak kindly and gently to ourselves. And when we especially when we can engage with another adult who will meet us in that functional adult way and not repeat the same like. De- attack, like detachment that we experienced before, that heals us. And the more times we have the chance to do it over at that spot in a different way, mm-hmm. it fills the gaps. And it doesn't... We don't have those big emotional reactions that overtake us, those triggers where like, we're freaking out and we don't know why. It's just so big and so deep. Yeah, The places where we go, it's your fault. You made me feel this way. Like yeah. You said that thing. When really... It's about old stuff. Like ten percent of that is what's happening right now. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of it is old, and we can do something about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah! Like the patterns that we fall, fall the into. The patterns
2: that we fall into. Yeah. And especially around bodies, I think that is such an important thing. I've been doing more things with people to trace like where body image patterns are coming from. Ooh. And it's been fascinating and heartbreaking to hear people's experiences and how deep they are and how far back they go and how those values are passed. We pass all of these things, not, you know, it's it's almost always from this place of good intention. Like, mm. I don't want you to suffer or I don't like it because I did or I'm worried that the rest of the world will be harsh to you if you don't fit this yeah. way. And yeah. that sounds nice kind of on the surface. But the second you look a little bit farther down the line with that, you can see how very harmful that is. Yeah, And it's it's really. A tricky spot but again it is something that we can unlearn and and heal from and surrounding ourselves with like other fat activists um surrounding ourselves with imagery surrounding ourselves with Lizzo I don't know like (laughs) you know surrounding ourselves with like these positive full of life people um is a really great place to start
0: Yeah. So what are some of the greatest joys in your work? Like, are there, I don't know, specific experiences or things that you get to do because of your work that just like, yeah, bring you joy?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love my clients. Like, each and every one of them is so awesome in their very own way. And I feel very lucky. That's one of the reasons that I felt so strongly about having a private practice and being my own boss is I get to choose my clients yes. as well, you know? I get to really have input about that fit. Um, and I just, I just love all my clients. Like, I am so lucky to go to work and sit with them every day. Um, but some of the things that stand out are, like, one of the biggest things that I learned when I, like, pretty quickly when I started to do therapy was how, really? We could probably boil all of the world's problems down to like maybe a handful of things, maybe less, like maybe three things. What's the th- Like, what's the handful? I, I mean, I don't even know yet. Like, I'm still forming this. Uh-huh. Like, I would actually like to be able to be like one, two, three, four, five. And honestly, I'm not recreating the wheel. Like, somebody, I'm, I'm not the or I'm not re, not not recreating the wheel. I'm not the first one to figure this <laughs> yeah. out, right? Like, therapists know this because we get this inside view that most people don't get of a whole broad cross-section of humanity and it it just it it's so moving to be like wow we are all one truly like we are all working on the same core things Mm -hmm. like we all feel scared and sad and broken in really similar ways Mm. but we are when like outside the therapy room is not talked about as much, so we all also think we're the only ones. Yeah. Like it's our personal feeling and we're the only one that feels like this. When in fact, like, no really. Like that guy over there, that person over there, she, her, same. Like truly are very, very close to the same. And I know that can sound kind of wah want- wah, but honestly that makes me really, really excited. Yeah. Because it's so connective. It feels so connective. And it and I'm not different. Like it's also like it's just this like connected humanity mm-hmm. energy that feels really, really, really good. Um and the amount of times that there's like a theme to a day that I really don't feel like I'm bringing... Like, of course, I'm in the room. I'm the common denominator in the room. I'm bringing something. But, like, so many weeks where, like, somebody will be like, I haven't talked about this before, but here it is. And they lay it out. And then, like, the next session, somebody does the same thing. But it's the same topic. It's Uh like the energy is there. Uh And it's opened up or it's safe or something. Like, I don't know what it is, but it feels like magic. Like, it feels like... Connected people magic, which is, I really enjoy. And it's really cool to see, like, when we plug in insight with, like, being, feeling seen and heard and having somebody hold space. And just like the shifts that are possible. And when people look back at like, wow, like look at where I was a year ago compared to now, like I can handle feeling my feelings. I don't have to burn everything down anymore, (laughs) like or maybe I burn it down like. 20% of the time and not 80% of the time. Hell yeah. Like I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader in that moment. Like that is really, really, really exciting. And to me, it's so exciting and inspiring to see people showing up, doing the work. Because you don't have to. You don't have to. You never have to do this work. And... Like, there's consequences to any action, like to not doing the work, to doing the work. There's consequences. Mm -hmm. And how, like, courageous and inspiring that people just week after week show up and do the work is really, it's really cool. I feel really lucky.
0: (sighs) That's just very cool to hear about. Yeah. 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 So if someone's considering going to therapy or like wants to kind of start that process,
2: what could you suggest for people? Such a great question. Um, I think a really great place to start is actually a simple internet search. Um, when you do an internet search for a therapist in your area, Psychology Today is going to come up like right at the top of the list. There's sort of a big website that therapists can choose to post a listing with as like a a marketing place and they they like have all the SEO so they're always going to be at the top (laughs) and the the cool thing they don't have everybody but one of the cool things about them is you can do a lot of filtering so you can filter like for your insurance or you can filter about gender you can filter about think what just whatever feels important to you Mm -hmm. you can filter that way one of the things that they have um, in particular that I think is helpful if you are a fat person looking for a therapist is they have, like, sort of like a checklist of issues you might want to work okay. on, right? And there is not a built-in one, but there is people who will make their own, like, health at every size. Like, that's a good flag to look for like so you people. could like search
0: that and then folks that have kind of tagged that would show up
2: yes and and i would recommend doing like an internet search for that kind of thing okay. too like health at every size therapist minnesota or wherever you are yeah. like it w- it would might it will start to pull some threads of things um sometimes but not always but sometimes therapists that have experience with eating disorders can be good allies for us mm-hmm. again. Not always. You have yeah. to ask more questions, right? But that this is an imperfect search mechanism. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have to like do some some weeding, right? And so we have to think of like what are some ways that at least will start me on the right path. It's yeah. not like a slam dunk, but like whatever. So people that that will that say they have experience with eating disorders are actually can be a good place to like feel that out and start with. It's actually really growing it's a thing that i'm seeing in a professional lens like health at every size is exploding in the community of like eating disorder therapists it needs to So it really needs to and not just locally like other national lists that i'm on and international lists like people are not like they've all heard about it before it's not even like a strange new like idea like they get it. They might not know how to do it all the way. They might still be really personally yeah. immersed in diet culture, but like they're starting to know and that's exciting. That's noteworthy. Yeah. That's really really good. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, there are a shockingly gross amount of therapists who list like, help with weight loss right in their bios. Oh, so, so X those people them. out, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it it's really disturbing to me because I feel like that's actually really anti-mental health yeah. in a direct and blatant way. Like, that is harmful to mental health. Not helpful. Harmful. Yeah. Like, scream it out loud. Harmful to mental health. But that helps you X off somebody that won't yeah. be a good match for you. Yeah. Um, the, and, again, like, not always, but sometimes um, therapists that are either like identifying as queer or trans or like strongly allied, like, strongly allied, read the language um, yeah. with those communities. Again, not a slam dunk, but have already used expand like expanding concepts because those concepts don't always like regular normal quote unquote whatever concepts don't always fit for them so they've already done exploring in their area Mm -hmm. about looking things in a larger perspective and that can be um, a little bit more friendly to that and then the last thing that I will say to potentially look for as like a keyword sort of thing is Something around trauma, like the word trauma, trauma-informed trauma. It comes out in lots of different ways right mm-hmm. now. Trauma is a big buzz word right now, and it's super important because we are experiencing both micro and macro aggressions of trauma in our fat bodies, yeah. like absolutely. And therapists who are really trained in specific trauma modalities, there are different <laughs> ways of working with trauma. Um They understand, like, the impact of the body in a different way. Like, they're not just thinking about thoughts and heads and Mm -hmm. logical insight. They are really paying attention to the body. And I would highly recommend that um, one of the things that I see a lot with fat people and that I have experienced myself is spending a lot of time of my life really working on what comes out of my mouth and the way it like being smart or being I don't know in charge or being set like really focusing on my like intellectual side or mm-hmm. something about like almost like my body is my head but mm-hmm. I'm not connected to what's under my head because that's a safer place that's something I maybe feel like I have more control over um, that's a way I can like distract myself that's why i can protect myself mm-hmm. by like having words um and then we just forget about our bodies because they're not safe like in so for so many different ways and reasons even if it's just quote unquote because all of the messaging coming at us is telling us our body is wrong yeah and it just doesn't feel safe to like really feel the way my body feels like to feel the flesh on my body and mm-hmm. and all of that and we're not not everybody not everybody but a lot of us are really disconnected from our bodies and that's not only fat people by by any stretch of the imagination but i think there is a special way that fat people have that experience and it is different and that does matter And there are multiple modalities, such as sensory motor, um, somatic experiencing, EMDR, brain spotting. Mm -hmm. These are all things you could Google to learn more about. Um, But all of these modalities work to connect those old attachment things where we're often told you don't deserve to take up space. Mm -hmm. You don't deserve to have to be in this body, like you don't, or you don't even deserve to be here. Like those messages come from earlier things and they play out in our bodies now. And the cool thing about those trauma that, that's not something we can heal with logic. Yeah. One of my main phrases is feelings don't give a fuck about logic. <laughs> we can use them to help, we can use logic to help us later, but in the moment, what matters is having our feelings validated, seen, heard. Then they move away and we can choose to like go where we want to go a little Mm -hmm. bit more. But though, so talk therapy, traditional talk therapy won't heal those things. It will get you really far with insight, but it won't take the circle all the way around to healing. We have to do some sort of somatic body-based thing to really bring it around to healing. And the cool thing is, is that... Though some of those modalities, um, like I, I always joke they're like wizardry because they're using neuroscience, mm-hmm. like all of these like interesting, cool, connecting things. And they work in, in really different ways where you don't actually have to talk about your story over and over again. Um, and they really help. Get your body back online, and then you can do more talk therapy with it to like figure out. Oh shit! Well, my body's online. I never did this before. Like, I never did a body before. Like, how do I do this body? You know, because <laughs> that's also going to be new, and yeah. you don't know how to do something if you've never done it before. You shouldn't know. Like, yeah. And so you can have a little bit of a guide to mm-hmm. do that with, and play around and be fun and curious. I'm actually doing brain spotting training this coming weekend, so I'll be able to offer that in my practice. And I'm really excited about that because I think there's huge potential for fat-specific healing in that arena. Um, And it's a quick-acting modality, which is kind of fun, too.
0: I feel like I've learned so much. This is all very interesting and very helpful. Um, And I think our listeners, too, can benefit from this information, especially if, like, therapy is something that they want to learn more about or explore or pursue.
2: Yeah, Yeah. The main message is like, don't wait. Don't wait. You know, a lot of times people think they can figure it out themselves if they just think about it long enough. Mm -hmm. And or that, you know, there's a lot of stigma about it or nobody in their family has ever gone to a therapist before. And it just feels strange and weird or they've seen it on TV and it looks awful or a friend had a bad experience Mm -hmm. or like there's so many different things that keep us from going. Um, But it really like you can feel better And I believe inherently that you are smart and you know stuff and you've done stuff with your body. And if you could have figured this out by yourself, you would have Mm because you're smart and you know stuff about your body Mm -hmm. more than I do. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not the expert on your body. Mm -hmm. You are. And part of being smart about ourselves and our bodies is knowing like where our edges are and how to find the resources to help us expand those and keep going And same with relationships, because hey, fat people have relationships too. Like (laughs) awesome, healthy, sexy, fun, terrible, chaotic, like wild, (laughs) all of the things, all of them, just like everybody else. And that one, even more than individuals, most relationships wait until it's too late and it's Uh, really hard to come back from mm -hmm. that is well researched. Like people generally don't go until it's like we are breaking up or this and it's so far gone. It's really hard to come back from not impossible if you're willing to do the work, but go sooner. This is like, it's like preventative health stuff. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't mean you have to go forever. Nobody is going to commit you. Nobody is going to force you to take medication. Nobody is going to, nobody should force you to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, If you encounter a provider like that, leave. Like You are the boss. You are the consumer. You get to decide who you see, how often, all of that stuff. Um, It's truly about you.
0: That is so good to know. You're a wealth of information. Okay, so if folks want to get in touch with you or hear more from you, how can they find you?
2: My website is the best way to do that. It's www.thecourageoustruth.com um, you can also find me on Instagram with There's my memes. like meme obsession that really honestly was kind of selfishly for me but <laughs> I have brought many other people joy and that is the.courageous.truth on insta and that's probably the bulk of my practice related social media um, and I teach workshops here and there around town. I've been at Cake, yeah. and Kitten, like other things like that. I would really like to add some online components to that so that people oh, awesome. could, you know, see things from a distance or like pull up things on their own time. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really, really proud of my resources page on my website. It has a lot of Podcasts, your matter of fact is on there. Oh, wonderful, um, you know, podcasts, books, uh, TED talks, uh, all kinds of mediums mm-hmm. of ways to get more information about like what does mental health look like? What does therapy look like? What does that look like if you are? a brown person like how can you find somebody who understands your experience Mm -hmm. like what if you're a queer person or a trans person or any identity that you feel like maybe the medical system has not treated you well Mm -hmm. that like white cis man patriarchy like they're the boss they're the expert we're going to tell you no like that's not how it needs to be so there's lots of cool resources on my website as well good good
0: yes Angela, thank you for telling us your story.
2: As a matter of fact,
1: I learned so much from Angela. Fire tips on how to find a therapy and practitioner that makes sense for you. Also, she's just a delight to talk to.
0: Such a delight. And we have to give you her updates. So, Angela has a new gorgeous office, which you can take a peek at on Instagram. She's also added another day of the week to her practice, and she has openings for new clients now in person and online, like she mentioned in the interview. Um, she can see clients online anywhere in the state of Minnesota, so you like actually don't have to be in Minneapolis to see her, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, and you can find Angela at her website, www.thecourageoustruth.com, and her Insta at the period truth. She shares some pretty sweet therapy meme content regularly.
0: Oh, the memes. They're so great. And Angela is just so great. Uh, But now we're going to take a little turn into something not so great in this week's Dirt Dirt and and Discourse. Matter. Matter of fact. It's time for the Dirt and Discourse. This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings.
1: We've talked about our grievances with Weight Watchers or Wellness at Work or programs that use psychology and small goals Mm -hmm. before, but we've hit a new low as a society. So, WW has started a weight loss program for kids ages eight to 17 called Curbo.
0: You heard that right we're appalled. Uh, Soraya, what does Kerbo do exactly? Well, I haven't actually
1: gotten the app itself, but from what I've researched, they use a traffic light system to assign meaning to food, which is you know, a red flag or red light right there, baby. Mm-hmm. So essentially, green is good, yellow isn't good, and red is bad. It's like a simpler version of the point system, mm. right? And it's directly tied to behavior, which makes sense. I don't know if you had this growing up, cat, but did you ever have like the traffic light system in the classroom Mm -mm. does that make sense okay mm -mm. so let me lay it out for you essentially there would be a chart and a a chart had every student's name on it in the classroom and every student would start out with green throughout the day Mm -hmm. but there were two other sheets of paper that one was yellow and one was red and so if you were misbehaving or if you did something wrong you might get a warning so your chart your name just changes to yellow, mm-hmm. which means you're on warning. And then if you continue in that vein of behavior, it could change to red, which means there's a punishment. Yeah. Maybe it's talking to your parents, a slip home. Who knows what that looks Ooh, like? Oh, that
0: does feel really related to this. Yeah. And
1: so in my mind, as soon as I heard this, I was like, okay, cool. So you're telling a child that if they consistently eat something red or they eat red things a lot, that their punishment is being fat? Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really messed up in so many ways because that's, like, the long-term thing. Like, oh, if mm-hmm. you continue this, you're going to be fat. But then the emotional guilt and immediate negativity that generates every time you see something red or you think about a food that's red. And then also the 15-minute digital coaching that could be a part oh, of it. Oh, so that's part too. of it, too. I think that's a facet of it where Ooh. you could have that face-to-face digital conversation with a coach. It just messes it up in my mind. Like, why would... Why would we start modifying children's behaviors when their bodies are in a constant state of change anyways? We adamantly oppose this idea on Matter of Fat and hope that others hear how, to use Kat's term, Appalling, this practice is. Yeah,
0: this is just so gross to me and so sad. And as we were researching to put, um, to talk about this today, I was scrolling through Instagram on a lot of posts focus on this. And honestly, like they were kind of hard for me to look at. It's mm. just, this to me feels so blatantly inappropriate. Uh, As fat people, we're forced to defend our humanity to medical professionals already. But, like, at least the children were a little safer. But I guess I was wrong.
1: And also, we have had past interviews, and almost everybody has talked about how dieting or interactions with dieting impacted their childhood. And yet, here they are on the pod, being fat folks. It's almost like people with fat bodies exist, regardless of how much you diet or don't
0: diet as a child. Right, right, It's got me thinking a lot about what Sonali Roshatoire, the fat sex therapist, says about how putting kids on diets is a violation of consent. Like, children are not able to consent to this type of thing. And being on diets when your body, let alone your relationship with your body, is still forming is going to have lasting negative impacts that will live with you forever. Like, we know about the negative impacts of dieting. Yo-yo dieting, for instance, puts undue strain on your heart. When you diet, you mess up with you mess up, rather, your body's natural kind of ability to know when it's like hungry or satiated and people who diet are just like proven to be more likely to develop eating disorders because there's so many lasting impacts of this like i just don't think eight to seventeen year olds should be exposed to this
1: right right and so adults
0: choose to diet
1: they have autonomy and I, i'm a big fan of uh, bodily autonomy and personal autonomy like that's a choice you as an educated and competent adult adult making yeah and also we want to be clear not to conflate this type of dieting what curbo is with that prescribed by a supportive and thoughtful medical professional this ain't that right mm-hmm. in fact refinery 29 connected with medical professionals who eschew Kerbo. They cite the American Academy of Pediatrics 2016 report, finding that encouragement of dieting and weight loss in adolescence is linked to the develop of development of disordered eating. Right. Ding, ding, ding. That makes like all the sense in the world. Doctors are saying that it's normal for children to gain weight more quickly or change quickly as they're growing. So why would you try to interrupt that for $69 a month <sighs> so that they look like other children? If there is such a concern for the health of a child, uh, couldn't other changes like balanced meals, access to a variety of produce and foods, and finding opportunities for activity that suit your family or like limiting screen time be better, like the 2016 report suggests?
0: Oh, like maybe focusing on health rather than weight.
1: Oh my gosh, Whoa. looking at the mental and physical health and well being of your child and your family. <laughs> right? Uh, wouldn't that be preferable to setting up a kid for a disordered eating when that's already
0: so prevalent? Programs like this are not going to improve long term health. Of children. You know what it does improve long term? Hmm. Customers
1: baby. That bottom line. Yeah. So it creates a consumer and regular customer who will come back to the structure provided by the umbrella of weight loss organizations time and time again. So we know a risk of yo-yo dieting is long term weight gain and this is where we have an excellent business model. Start them young. Mm -hmm. How do these people sleep at night? I mean they probably believe in it. Yeah. 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 I would hope or like
0: the money, money pays
1: well, or they hate fat people or fatness. Or
0: like a gross, weird cocktail of all these mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I So, okay, this might be taking it a little far and or maybe not far enough. I don't know. But it's got me also thinking about um, that Naomi Wolf quote, which she says, A culture fixated on female thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. And then she goes on to say, Dieting is the most potent political sedative in women's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one. And so I just, I, it's got me thinking about like how hard it is for women and non-binary folks for us already like how hard we already have to work to build confidence and power in a world where diet culture is like really trying to actively drag us down it just feels like we're creating even more barriers Mm -hmm. like how can we empower people and women and girls in particular to be bold and brave and like be the type of people who stand up for what's right in our world when we're actively chipping away at their ability to form like a solid foundation starting as early as eight Mm -hmm.
1: There's a lot to be said about this. I mean, last episode, we were unfazed in the Dirt and Discourse, but turns out we can still be surprised.
0: Yeah.
1: (sighs) That's the D&D, baby. Rough stuff.
0: long. Farewell. Before we say Auf Wiedersehen, we want to thank you for your partaking in The Fat Dish, learning and listening along with us during Angela's interview, and riding the roller coaster of disappointment <laughs> oh. in the Dirt and discourse. Please
1: subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen, and join our friends and fans Facebook group.
0: Thanks to those of you who donated to KFAI during the Summer Pledge Drive. Know that you can donate anytime at kfai.org adieu adieu to you and you and you and you and you and you (laughs) see you back here in two weeks for another episode of matter of fat